Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Hi, Tara. Hi, how are you? I am great. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited about the resources that you are going to bring to my audience. I am so honored to be on your show. Thank you. Well, absolutely. I'm, I've been wanting to connect with you for a little while. And so, um, and that's because I have really enjoyed um, the content that you put on social media, which is actually one of the benefits that I get to running Ashley Barlow company when I used to just sit behind my desk and write due process complaints and go to meetings with people I didn't have this need to connect and and that's been really um, rewarding in starting this business. So why don't we start off by just having you tell us a little bit more about yourself where do you live what do you do tell us about your family give us the background. All right well I am my name is Tara Tuchel. I'm a speech language pathologist, and I've been working at the early childhood level for over a decade now. My minor in college was actually early childhood education, so it kind of fits that that's where I ended up. Um, I live in Wisconsin, but I live on the border of Minnesota, so I live in Wisconsin, teach in Minnesota, so we call this area Minnesconsin. <laughs> that's, that's how it's known here, um, but I am a Packer fan. <laughs> All so, the important stuff. <laughs> um, a little bit about me. I am engaged in planning a wedding, getting married in September. And I have two grown kids that are 28 and 24 and two stepsons or soon to be stepsons that are teenagers. <laughs> I think you could wear that top or that dress to your wedding. It's so cute. <laughs> cute. We're having a barn wedding. So anything goes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I told my mom when I was getting married, when I was um, like a little girl, not when I was engaged, but when I was a little girl, I wanted to wear jeans with lace on them to my wedding. I was like, I'm not wearing anything uncomfortable. Of course, I wore like, you know, a tool skirt underneath my skirt because I was <laughs> bigger, you know, but that's what I thought when I was a little girl. So How cute. very exciting. Hey, do you have the book, How to Talk Minnesotan? I don't because I don't need it. <laughs> my dad had that book um, and be, because my dad really liked Garrison Keeler and we went to um, Duck Lake, which I think is in Wisconsin. It's like in the, you know, land of lakes when I was a little girl every summer to visit my uncle. And so, um, yeah, my dad says, you know, isn't that a heck of a deal? <laughs> <laughs> we say ope. So it's O-P-E. And if you're at the store and you bump into someone you say, oh, sorry, that's one of the things you hear every day up here. See, everybody's learning new things. This is, this is good. Okay, well, back to business. This is what happens with me. Um, you are a speech language pathologist. Um, and, you know, one of the other things that you do is so many other people in schools do is you um, help teachers and people that are in schools with wonderful visual supports. And so that's kind of the focus of what we're going to talk about 
today is visual supports, particularly for students with autism, um, but for all students that might need them. So let's kind of start with the basics on visual supports and just have you describe what visual supports are. Yeah, well, visual supports are kind of my jam. I love them because it's like this creative, really creative piece and of my job and also um, something you can really personalize to kids. So visual supports are basically what they say, um, visuals of any kind. It could be a picture or uh, more of like a cartoon drawing. I think a lot of people are used to board maker pictures. They're the little symbols that look like little line drawings. Um, but there's a, a whole variety of things that could be considered a visual support. So you have the actual graphic or the picture and then kind of what you do with it. And they're really meant to help kids understand whatever you're trying to teach them, help them learn predictable routines so that their day can flow a little bit better, help them understand what's coming up next. Um, I know a lot of times parents and, and maybe educators, gen ed here will use visual supports, but it's like, holy cow, you can't just leave them with that. That doesn't tell you anything, you know? Your mind jumps right to visual schedules, but that's one piece, that's one visual support. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a really, you know, kind of important point to, to point out because that happens in meetings all the time where people say, well, we have a visual schedule and um, maybe like social stories or something like that. And I'm like, well, okay, Great, but I mean, how are we using visual schedules and how many are we using during the day? Do we have schedules for like what's happening in each individual five minute time period or 45 minute time period? Do we have them for um, the entire day? What do the visual schedules look like? What do we need them to look like? How, what's the consistency with which we're using them? Um, that kind of thing. And that's hard to build into an IEP, but it's certainly a discussion that's worth talking about. Totally. And also like what results are you getting with it? So yeah, it's fine if you have a visual schedule or you have one up in front of the class, but if it's not helping each individual student become more independent or um, reduce their anxiety, help transitions, then what is it? It's just, uh, I don't know, like people say fake data, you know, it's there. Right that's fine. But if you're not utilizing it for the purpose it's meant for, um, you should maybe look at, at something else, a different visual. Yeah. And I think it's important also to, to say why, you know, why certain students need visuals. And it seems so basic, but that this like basic answer is one of my favorite things about raising my son that has Down syndrome um, and many characteristics that are similar to um, a learner with autism it's that he actually needs something tangible to see. He, you know, my mom is a um, retired educator and we would arrive places and my mom would say to my nephews that are older than my Jack, we have to articulate the desired behavior. So, you know, we're going into church and we remind children to whisper and we remind children to stay in the pew and all of those things. And of course I'm like, wow. And so I'm like, yeah, if you don't, just, if you don't like something in church, you say, I object. And they're like, auntie, <laughs> okay, auntie, be quiet, like eat that candy that you brought. Um, but maybe that's why Jack is so wild and free. Um, 
but you know the 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 for Jack, if we just say, be quiet in church, he needs to see that. And he needs to see himself being quiet in church. And he needs to really kind of feel and manipulate what it's like to be quiet in church. How long does he have to be quiet? So maybe a visual for him isn't just like a person with their finger up to their mouth, but it also, we might also need to use a visual, like a visual timer, not in church because it would tick. Um, but a, or like, you know, just a, um, a line that we color in. And as we tick the five minutes or the 15 minutes off during church so that he understands, you know, like on a five hour car ride, we color in every hour so that he sees where we are in the car ride and that kind of thing. Actually, we can't do five hour car rides because we would all probably die. Um, but, you know, all of those visuals, like sometimes we have to layer them on top of one another. I don't know if you have any. Absolutely. I, oh my gosh, I hear you because once you have some of these basic visual supports and like predictable systems in place, then they start to all work in tandem. So um, as you're talking about your son, I have a visual here. So if you're um, listening to the podcast, I know Ashley puts this up on YouTube also. So hop over there if you want to see it. But when you were talking about being in church, here is a star chart. And this star chart is not a behavior thing. It's not like, oh, you earn a star for sitting quietly. It just shows the passing of time. So this is one visual support that you can teach as a system, meaning you can use it in multiple places, like not just at church. It could be we're at the park, we're at the grocery store. Okay. And it can just show what's next. So if you have at the end here, a picture of the car, okay, five stars, then we go to the car. And then as you go along, they can help you as they learn it, put the stars on. My students on the playground, we use this every single day on the playground. And we have two of us adults walking around. And as we're helping facilitate play and moving around the playground, we um, check in with kids and say, okay, two stars, three more than bus. Because we always go at the end of the day. Okay, three stars, two more than bus. And we know the kids get it when they see us coming with the star chart and they run away. <laughs> they're like, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with her because I want to stay in the playground. But that means they're understanding it. So if you over practice this, um, you can use it in a lot of settings. So it's just like what you're saying, like it's not one size fits all. It's not just a picture of quiet or whatever. It's um finding a variety of different ways to support these learners that words maybe sound like blah, 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 like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? And pictures or like you said, objects can be much more meaningful. Yeah, that's so true. And another, you know, keeping it predictable, we don't always, I, you know, I don't, I never had even wipes for my babies when they were in diapers. You know, you can't be can't be too perfect, but I always have a napkin and a marker, you know, and so sometimes I will just write one, two, three, four, five, and we cross it off, you know, or like Jack's birthday is on the 4th of July. We live in this disgustingly adorable little town um, where everybody comes to the 4th of July parade and everybody knows it's Jack Barlow's birthday. Um, <laughs> and so one time on the 4th of July, I was like, now this isn't predictable because it was, it was totally novel, but I was like, Jack, you need to say thank you to 25 people. If you have said thank you to 25 people, happy birthday, and they get in his face, and he's like, eh. Um, 
then I just wrote one through 25 on a napkin or a deposit ticket or whatever I had in my pocket or my stroller. And every single person, I would cross it off. And once he got to 25, I would say, Jack said, thank you 25 times. Here you go. Talk to, talk to the hand, talk to the 25. Um, and it, it gave him some relief and he did it. And then at 26, he was like, I'm done. <laughs> I love that. And I love that you pointed out it does not have to be this beautiful laminated thing. Um, a lot of times we'll call them on the fly visual supports or on the fly social stories. I don't have time to go to my computer and make this pretty thing. I need a piece of paper, a post-it and a pencil, or that's all I need. And I can quick make a star chart. But if you've taught some of these systems, like Jack must know, okay, you know, across these off, like you've developed a predictable system that you can kind of use anywhere. And right. that's the big thing. It's not, I always tell parents, like you can't implement everything that we're doing at school. We have lots of adults to help. You are still trying to be a mom, probably to other kids too, a mom and a dad. And you are traveling around running errands, um, you just need a couple go-tos of things. And then having that knowledge to be able to pull out a piece of paper and make your own visual support, which I have done, even though I have tons of pre-made visuals, I have been on the way to the bus with a student. They drop to the floor in the lobby where all the parents are waiting for kids. It's always in this crowded area. And I save the front desk piece of paper and a pen, please. And I draw the worst picture of a bus and show it to them and they get up and go. Yes. So it just made it visual. It doesn't have to be pretty. You know, you can Google how to draw a bus. <laughs> <laughs> I need that. <laughs> I've literally done it. How to draw a swimmer. Cause I'm like, you can swim. <laughs> My dad used to be an art teacher, so I should be better. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible. But like, if I draw a stick figure, it might look like a dog or a zebra or whatever. So I'm usually like how to draw a, and they're nice little like stick figures and it really helps. But sometimes you don't have time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, we've touched on this colloquially, but I think it's still important to, to answer very deliberately. Why is it so important for um, students that uh, for students that are not neurotypical to um, have visual supports? Well, uh, there's a lot of research showing that um, autistic individuals are visual learners. It doesn't mean every single one is, um, but they tend to be. And I would argue that a lot of young children are too. So, you know, if, if someone with autism is not maybe processing language um, at their age appropriate level, whatever that is, um, they are going to need that accommodation, you know, just a little something that's going to help them to understand in their best modality. And I always tell people I have a, a visual schedules course for how to, for parents and educators on how to really individualize and make it, um, make progress with each student in their way. So not a cookie cutter approach. But in there, I tell them that 
I hear a lot, well, when do you get rid of the visual schedule? We got to get rid of that at some point. And I say, and probably a lot of other people have, when you are ready to get rid of your to-do list, your Google calendar, your planner, your grocery list, when you're ready to get all rid of all that, then you can get rid of their visual schedule because you are using a visual schedule. It's just in a written format instead of pictures. And you know, that's such a good point. And, and just like a grocery list, I can do the grocery, maybe even two or three weeks without my list. But boy, on week three or four, it's not happening because I'm now out of the essentials that I normally buy. And, you know, everything is, is a little funky in the fridge and in the pantry. And so we can go through an entire OT session without a visual schedule, but it, and, and for Jack now, it's usually a, a written schedule, like a word, you know, a written schedule. Um, but probably the next week, we're going to need to go back to that to help him, to give him the supports to do it. And honestly, I realize as I, the busier my life gets, and as I age also, I need more of those executive functioning type um, accommodations that I provide to myself. I mean, if I have to go pick up a kid, I set an alarm now yes. <laughs> without even thinking about it because I, I need that. And I, yeah. why, why don't, why not access that kind of thing? So, yeah. And we all give ourselves supports like that and don't realize their supports. And I'm someone like at the store, I even have to cross each thing off the list to make sure I didn't miss something within that list. So, um, when you think about visual schedules and how kids um, benefit from it, like taking off the picture when you're done with it is like crossing off the thing on the list. It's just right. in that, that visual format. And then there's this whole uh, kind of spectrum or variety of schedules. So it's not just board maker pictures on a full day schedule. Like there are object schedules. There are real picture schedules. There are the cartoon-like pictures, the clip art. There are written schedules. So there's a whole variety just within visual schedules. Yeah, so that's a good point. So Jack had board maker schedules and he, for him, that still wasn't tangible enough. And one of the most amazing suggestions that I would not have thought of on my own when he was in kindergarten was we brought in an expert um, to help support his gen ed teacher. And she said, oh, just make all of his visuals pictures of him because he's young and he's egotistical and you want to see him. It has to be that concrete, you succeeding. So, you know, like a picture of him coloring is going to help incentivize him to color. And for Jack, it has to be a not busy background, pretty big picture so that he can see it. Well, now he gets these little tiny tiles that are less than an inch by an inch. Um, and he only needs pictures of himself with his rewards because he needs to remember, oh, Play-Doh, that's Play-Doh, you know, and he knows what Play-Doh is, but it still helps him so significantly to see his cute little smile holding up that Play-Doh. Um, but I also think it's important to know that we can progress and then regress and what we need, we might have to go back to object schedules every yeah. once in a while. Or we and might it depends on self like regulation too. If someone's dysregulated, they're gonna go back. They're not going to be cognitively, and this is anybody, 
when you're stressed, you're not cognitively thinking on your best level, your highest level. And so with visual schedules, there might be certain things where I think of an object schedule, it can be as simple as, um, you know, when you have a little one that's like one and a half, you might show them a diaper and they know that means, oh, we're going to go in the bathroom. They might run from you, but they know what it means. Um, so an object schedule can be as simple as that. Having little things like a paintbrush means we're going to go to the art area, stuff like that. So, you know, sometimes we have periods of time. I don't know if Jack is like this, where maybe I'll have a week or two where my student is just really dysregulated. I don't know if they're if there's something underlying, like if they're a little bit sick or just they kind of revert back, like you say. And that might be some of those times where we put in some of those extra hands-on tangible supports to help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree entirely. So I think we should probably talk about some of your favorite visuals. Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about visual schedules. I'll kind of, um, I don't, I don't necessarily have favorites because this is not, you know, a super area of expertise for me. But I'll tell you, um, I went to this place in Denver years ago, probably almost ten years ago. It's called Brew Abilities. I think it still exists, um, and they employ only people with disabilities. And um, it was my favorite thing about being there was all of the visuals. I mean, the bathroom had visual schedules for every single employee because not no two employees needed the same thing to remind them to how to go to the bathroom, how to wash their hands, what they needed to do to satisfy the health department, all of those things. Um, but then like the beer brewing, brewing areas had all these visuals of how to do it, the, the recipe, um, and some were very complicated and some were very much broken down. And I was like, yes, the entire walls of this place are covered with things that each individual person can access. And it just felt like such a moving, moving, breathing process of support that I like, I'm still joyful talking about it 10 years later. Um, so that's my favorite is just the comprehensive uniqueness of the ability to support somebody visually. Um, but you probably have more to say. I absolutely love that story. And I want to go there, by the way. In the town I live in, a former high school special ed teacher started a business and he just does that now like a nonprofit business called Plantables. And he hires um, people with a variety of disabilities come in and they do meaningful work. And so they make these greeting cards that have wildflower seeds in the card pressed in so that when people get the card, you can plant the card and grow wildflowers. And it's beautiful. And so some of my former students are there. So, and they're grown up now. And so I went and visited a couple of times and it's amazing. Like some kids, like you're saying, they have what they need visually to succeed. So as some are doing the recipe and putting in uh, the seeds and the, all the mud, I don't even know exactly what's in the, what the ingredients are, but they have one kiddo has a iPad where he's just swiping to, with a picture of each step. And then when he's to the end, that one's done. And then he can start over, swipe, swipe. So, you know, we didn't even touch on that piece. There's a lot of digital opportunities too, which is fantastic. But seeing them really individualize to what each 
person needs is amazing. So, and you asked if I have favorites. I definitely have favorites and I actually have uh, a free resource that includes all my favorites. Uh, it's called the Visual Support Starter Set. And it's kind of like over the years, especially with early childhood, these are the ones I've seen work over and over and over with almost all of my students. So usually it's not cookie cutter, but we build in a few systems that everyone understands. And you know, if I happen to have a child that doesn't understand it, we do something else, but I'll share a couple of them with you. So the weight mat is one, and it's just, um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I'm showing a picture. It's just a paper size picture with two hands on it. And it says weight. Ashley style, you can just make your own on a piece of paper. Doesn't have to be pretty like this, but this so one. My kids would be like, wait, is that a turkey or is it a hand? I'm confused. Right. Right. <laughs> That's why I don't draw them. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, so this is like, I have a lot of students, uh, autistic students that love to carry a million things in their hands. And I do not mind at all if they carry all these transition objects or things that make them feel comfortable. So they might have a whole bunch well, they get to a table to do some work or an art project or something. And how am I going to get these out of their hands? Because if I try to take them, they're going to think I'm, they're going to become dysregulated. We'll just say that because they're going to think someone's trying to take their stuff and take it away for good. So we have taught in my classroom, this weight mat. And so you just set it down on the table, wherever you are. And at first you kind of show them okay, we're just gonna put it here on the weight mat and then um, you leave it right by them. So you're not removing it from the area. They're not gonna be anxious. Once they learn and trust you that you're not gonna take it, they come over and willingly, I mean, this is three-year-olds and four-year-olds. I had a student, three-year-old, non-speaking, this spring and we went over to the work area and the weight mat was still up on the windowsill he grabbed it himself and put his toys on the weight mat uh, like okay I'm ready it was like holy cow you know and then I'm like quick motioning to everyone in the room you guys look what he did this is better than any skill that we I could be teaching him right now at the table so when stuff like that happens it's exciting because it helps parents at home, it helps them in if they're at occupational therapy, like all sorts of settings. Yeah. Yeah. That is super helpful. I remember we had um, something for Jack where um, it prompted him to put his hands at his side. And um, we actually gave him a, like a, a sticker, like a, um, what do you call this? You know, a tactile, a fidget basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that we put on his thighs so that right where his arms touch so that he could play with his thighs instead of touching everything in the hallway nice and it was like so we had a little sign for him and a poem that went with the sign to remind him to put his hands at his in his legs which the poem I think was too much honestly but the teacher thought of it and I was like okay that's great yeah yeah um, and then he would try to access the stimulation by rubbing this thing that was on his thigh and totally socially appropriate as opposed to touching all of the artwork on his way down the hall. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like that's, you know, kind of the next step to the weight map. But I see those weight mats everywhere 
in preschools and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And they work. It's so good. It's so good. Um, the other thing we call it um, the miracle. I didn't come up with this strategy, but um, sorry, I'm rifling through things. It's really loud. Miracle. I love the it. thing is the all done bucket. And so this one, especially with little ones, um, I've had parents implemented at home, other teachers, so good. You can use any kind of container. And again, it's just a sheet that says all done on it. There's nothing like wonderful about this symbol, like the universal no symbol. You could have whatever you want on there. You could have a flower. It's not that that matters. It's this predictable routine that you're developing. So this is where some of those strategies come into play in tandem, like we were talking about. So I might set the timer and say, okay, we have three more minutes, then all done. And they're playing with trains or whatever. And this is going to help with transitions once they understand it. So then, okay, one more minute, then all done. And so then when the timer beeps, I help them put the things in. It gives them a place to put stuff. So you develop that little routine with help at first. And I've had students who are like very, very passionate about their iPads, you know, playing a game, really hard to transition away from that. And we will go up and do that whole routine. You got to give notice. You can't just surprise like, oh, you're done. Like I'd be so upset if I was reading a book and someone just pulled it out of my hands and said, you're done. Right. So right. Your husband that, turns off the light. Yeah. Giving that warning. So, so um, then the student that loved the iPad, he, we put this towards him. Don't even have to say anything else. And in it goes because he's learned that routine and it's just like automatic, like muscle memory. And I had a student like just last week that <laughs> if you're watching the video of this, it's the best. So I was like, it was like the last week of school. Okay. Did the timer, all that. Okay. All done. And he, his mom was there. It was the end of the school day and she was laughing so hard. He's like, very slowly like it was a magnet slowly pulling the toy and then he dropped it in and he went with his mom and it was good to go <laughs> oh my gosh that's adorable it's like the angel and the devil on his shoulders like put it yes. in no no put it in put it in no <laughs> no one more play one more story in my head it's so hard to let it go but there was no dropping to the ground no screaming no crying it was beautiful like it was slow, when those things happen, but all of these crazy. things help with transitions and making um, the day go smoother. So, right. It's magic. It is magic. Yes. You're like, how could this happen? So similar situation. Um, we had a behaviorist. We always try to think that a behaviorist is going to help us. And then it turns out that I have kind of tried everything that they've talked about. And I'm like, I need for you to go not 75 layers into the onion, like obviously 125. Can you just come live with us? Cause it, I know I'm not doing it all right. Cause we're not behaving um, globally. Generally that's a mom speaking. Jack, I'm very respectful to him. Um, but one thing that this lady said that I was like, maybe she's worth having back again um, was 
um, he will not feed himself. And, and it all kind of started with, um, he has a decreased appetite because of medicine. So it was something that we, we fed him in order to get him to eat. And he watches an iPad to distract him. So he doesn't know he's eating and, you know, this whole thing. And then some habits formed and he stopped poking things with his fork and putting the fork in his mouth and chewing and swallowing <laughs> like the basic stuff. It was like, oh my gosh, eat. Yeah. And he's capable. And even when he was hungry, he wasn't doing it. Um, and she said, okay, well, let's start, let's fade the support. So let's start with just a piece of paper that says mom and Jack and you alternate. And so mom's turn, flip it over Jack's turn, flip it over mom's turn, flip it over Jack's turn. First of all, it worked the very first day beautifully and it still was working on day 10, but similar to that little guy with his all done bucket, Jack would um, flip it back over to the mom section. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're so smart. That's, yeah. 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 You're, oh you're outsmarting the system. So, that's <laughs> um, so another thing, you know, we talked about technology and another thing that you've done um, is some great stuff on is video modeling. Why don't you kind of talk about video modeling and how that can be a great support? Yeah. Every time I use video modeling, I think, why don't I use this more often? It's so powerful. And I think a piece of it is, uh, like you said, the egocentric part of, of kids. They love seeing themselves. Think of us also with video. Video just boom. Like why is TikTok popular? Why are Instagram reels? It's that you can't look away. You, you stop your scroll for a lot of videos. So it's just with your brain, it just captures the attention. And my favorite part is using special interests, things that uh, my students are passionate about or fascinated with. I love using that because boom, you've got them. So I think you've probably seen a couple I put on Instagram reels with Batman. <laughs> so student that mom would bring him in, he would drop at the, the entrance to the school and you know, just transition into the building was hard. Our classroom is way, way, way in the back of the building. And so he was just having a period of time where he struggled with that. And so Terry, the teacher I co-teach with, she was found this like little Batman finger puppet on the floor. And she's like, okay, I'm going to use that. So then she did a little video with Batman walk into the classroom. She did it really quick before class. So at Ashley, it's like when we were talking about you can make a visual support on a pad of paper. Same thing, video modeling. It does not have to be edited and have all these beautiful music behind it. Um, so she did this one. Okay, Batman's walking to the classroom. Do, 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 do. Those were the sound effects. Do, do, do. And she went down, met his mom, showed it to him. That morning, he walked back doesn't mean we're never going to have bumps or struggles again if it's a day where he's tired or whatever and it doesn't mean we're gonna have to show him the video every single time right. it's like get it going and then you can break away from that when the time's right and then he comes in and looks really tired maybe that's the day to pull it out and give him that extra support again yeah oh my gosh I did see the bat batman <laughs> one which was adorable um do you know about the app, the free app, or it's cheap if it's not free, Book Creator? No. 
Oh my gosh, you can buy it on, we have it, we have iPads, Apple products, and you can buy it on Apple, whatever that thing is called, the app store, Um, and you can make books, and so um, we want Jack to be able to play nine holes of golf, and um, so he can do seven now, and so one day I went, and I'm the caddy, because I don't like to golf very much, Um, (laughs) and so I took pictures of, you know, you drive, and then you have an approach shot. I'm not very good at this. And then you put, um, and I added behavioral things in there. Like you don't throw your clubs and whatever. And I did all videos of Jack. So one day I took videos of him doing what he was supposed to do. And like, you get to go with your dad and your brother and mom carries the bags. And I did it as videos and some still pictures that has worked like magic to increase his endurance to golf because he loves to see himself golf and it's fun. And then like, you know, afterwards he's licking an ice cream and it's like, when I'm successful, I get an ice cream and I get to enjoy this time with my family. Um, and it's good family time. And I'll tell you what, it's like so powerful for whatever reason to see himself on the video. I've never done the Batman thing, but I was like, you know what I love about that, that example that you had on Facebook and we'll, we'll give people or on Instagram and we'll give people your handle here in a second is it. So like doing the book creator was a little bit of forethought and it is a little bit longer. Now Jack likes it and he likes to read. So he likes to read that, but some of them get so cheesy. It's like, you know, walking into school from the bus can be so fun. And you're like, that that's so stupid. Kids see right through that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I love the Batman thing because it was like, it was cheesy on purpose. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. And you can, I, I love that you could easily experiment too, to see, do they like to see themselves in the video or pictures or do they like a character? One of the things that I'm known for in my school is making potty training books using characters. So like, Paw Patrol peas in the potty, stuff like that. And I've been doing this for like many years before we had um, really good options for pictures. Um, So back, oh gosh, it probably would have been in the early 2000s, one of my, maybe in the first five years of teaching, I had twins who were both autistic, non-speaking, and they were not potty trained yet and it was second grade and their mom's like please we need to try to potty train them let's work together so I made a story for them and it had the board maker symbol from the waist down of like the pants down and the penis out with the yellow pee going into the toilet you can probably picture that board maker yeah so then from the waist up this is all I could do at that point because there weren't a whole lot of options I went to Google Images and I got pictures of like Willie Nelson and Clint Black and a bunch of country singers because they were like passionate about country singers anything with country music they were like looking at it so I did country singers from the waist up glued them on made a book Willie Nelson pees in the potty, big and rich pee in the potty. And Ashley, they peed in the potty that day. Oh both my gosh. Both of them that day. So their mom put the book out on their coffee table. It was like, this is the best book in the world. <laughs> so it was fantastic. So that's the power of finding special interests too. 
Oh, for sure. Um, my, you know, the things you talk about when you're like out with your moms and your disability community. I was one time at happy hour with moms and um, we had just done the I Can Shine thing through our local Down Syndrome Association and we had done I Can Bike. And my friend was like, oh my gosh, that place is a miracle. They taught him how to swim last year. They taught him how to ride a bike. We need to add the F word in the middle of it. And this is what <laughs> reminds me because like moms are like, please, I can bleepity bleep, um, pee in the potty. I can bleep and write my name. I can bleep in, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, for sure. And that but that's like the power of the visual. It's so, so great. That's awesome. So last question um, is, you know, I feel like so many IEPs um, and classrooms are set up with great visuals. However, the implementation is not always ideal. So any um, tips for utilizing the supports? Yeah, I think for me, um... I feel the same. There's a lot of visual supports out there. People know about a lot of visual supports, but actually getting the team to implement them. The people I think of like paraprofessionals that are with the kids almost all day in some capacity. Like we really need to be trying to get buy-in and teach them the why. And the other thing is, these are two things that I teach in my course too. We need to make them accessible so that they're really easy to grab and organized. So there's nothing worse than I need an all done bucket. And you're like, where's an all that I need, you know, and then the moment passes you by and we're already on the ground. So like some of these things you can use so proactively, but if you don't have them accessible, you're going to lose your student. And you can so, do it respectfully too, right? Like it doesn't yeah. have to be a, an yeah. that mom wears everywhere that's like, screaming my child is neurodiverse yeah I mean just having some strategically placed um, go-tos around the room where everyone knows where they are and I think a big piece is teaching the people around you I know there's like limited time for training I'm in the classroom still I know this uh, but find some way to teach the why and how powerful it can be and then you know, the importance if we use this and implement it consistently, then we're going to hear, we're going to see the, the power of it, but not if we just do it once in a while. So, you know, maybe really identifying for a certain student, we're going to really work right now on the weight mat and the visual schedule and forget about any other visual support you have laying that around. We're going to use those to start and just getting on that same page. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. So you've talked about so many awesome supports that you have to support us and supporting our kids. Um, so where can my audience find you and how can they um, find out more about your course? Yeah, well, thank you. I am at, it's Autism Little Learners on everything. Um, Facebook, I would say that's where mainly I do a lot of free trainings and people can go watch um, the replays. I actually have one coming up tomorrow night, but by the time this airs, it's probably passed, but the replays are on there on all sorts of topics like visual supports, toilet training, um, self-regulation. And then um, on over on Instagram, I'm there too. And that's where you can kind of see some of these things in action on the reels. 
And I try to put them on TikTok too, but Autism Little Learners on all of those. Uh, my website is autismlittlelearners.com. So it's really consistent. If you put in Autism Little Learners, you'll be able to find me. But I do have that starter set, that visual support starter set that you'll be able to find by going to my website. Um, you'll see it displayed right on the front of the website. And then the visual schedules, it's called Visual Schedules Made Easy. And it's for both parents and educators. Um, when I set out doing this, I thought, well, I'm gonna teach other teachers, right? Well, the parent community, it was so thirsty for information, training, supports that they became a big part of my community. And it's been a blessing because having their perspective is huge. And I always say like, as part of an IEP team, we're all on one big team together. And so the same is for all of this, uh, whether it's uh, simple visual support or a course, we can all benefit from the same information and working together. So that course is actually going to be opening back up soon here on June 10th, and it should be open through the 17th. But if, there, if anyone's hearing you on here and it's later, just send me a DM and we can chat. Oh, that's awesome. We'll try to get it out so that we can get it out for people. So awesome. Oh my gosh, Tara. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. And um, anybody has any questions or anything else, find Tara on Instagram or, or Facebook and hit her up with a DM. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It was so, so awesome to talk to you.